Greetings to one and all in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Uh, Linda deeply regrets not being able to be here today, but her mother, Micheline Davis, is in the hospital in Alabaster, uh, having fluid removed for uh, congestive heart failure. And all is good this morning. And uh, so... But she wanted me to tell you that she surely misses being here today and uh, that she will appreciate your prayers, which she knows she's receiving, and also for her mother. So uh, I wanted to share that with you. I'm just as nervous as I can be this morning. (laughs) This is like 43 years ago and standing up. But our attention is on the Lord and His Word, and I would like to pray first and then read from the lectionary uh, text the first chapter of Colossians, 14 verses. Let us pray. Gracious God, in You are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word. And give us grace that we may clearly understand. And then freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel, that has come to you, just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom, and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share 
in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of God for the people of God. be a human being is to be powerful. It is to possess power in certain ways and to certain degrees. This week has reminded us that human power can be tragic and evil in its actions and their consequences. Many, many people in our country, and probably many, if not all of us, are troubled, and many are suffering because of merely human power. That is misused. Beyond this week, this is the month for our two national political conventions. Whoopee! I mean, I know you can't wait. (laughs) These are contests for power. In November, we as Americans will exercise our right our constitutional right to bestow awesome power on a single individual so that that person will occupy what is routinely called the most powerful office and position in the world. So the operative word in the culture This morning, I think, and this month, is power. What about power? How is power to be used? In our text, Paul speaks about the power that has been given to the body of Christ. A power that has been given to us as a Christian community and a Christian church, given to each of us and to all of us together. A glorious power, he calls it. It is the power of the gospel, the power of good news. It is, above all, the power of love power of God's love in Jesus Christ. So I have come this morning to simply celebrate with you and remind you of the power that has been given to you as a congregation through the grace and love 
of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. First, the power of love is that love heals. Love is the greatest of all medicines. We have only to think of Jesus and his encounters with people in the world, the woman at the well, ostracized, a failure in relationships, Who knows what, but when she comes in contact with the Christ and his love, she leaves having a spring of water rushing up into her heart and to her life. Love is powerful in its healing. I've always liked the story of the poet. Elizabeth Barrett, who was an invalid for many years, unable to lift her head from her pillow. But the poet Robert Browning took an interest in her, more than an interest. And it is said that in just one visit he gave her so much joy and happiness that she lifted her head. On his second visit, she sat up in bed. And on his third visit, they eloped. (laughs) Love is a powerful thing. No wonder people were healed when coming into contact with Jesus the Christ. He was love incarnate. God's love, agape, incarnate. And this is what he calls his church to be. In every community, in every nook and cranny, on every hill and street corner and boulevard throughout the land, we are given the gift of love so that love may be made into flesh. Just as Christ is love, the love of God in the flesh. Healing. I don't want to be overly personal, but, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I know many stories of healing in this very congregation. And I am one of them. The healing love that comes through God's people can come through God's people. The healing presence of Christ that is communicated through prayer and words and a cup of uh, chicken soup or a card or whatever it is, or being there. When nothing can be said. Nothing can be said. But the presence speaks volumes love. Love also affirms. Jesus went about to affirm the unaffirmed. 
the people who were just the, peop- the ordinary people of the land who for some reason were judged to be beyond the grace of God now through some particular illness that created a shame factor or some reason they were ostracized or whatever. Jesus came and he brought God, he brought love to those people, to everyone who would receive it. Love offers affirmation. One of my all-time favorite stories is of two small boys who were brothers, one natural and the other adopted. They went to Sunday school. And in order to register them at the beginning of the year, and I guess they were new, the superintendent asked them their birth dates. The bolder one said, we are both seven I was born on April the 8th, 1982, and my brother here was born on May the 10th, 1982. The superintendent said, that's impossible. The bolder boy said, no, it's not. One of us is adopted. Unthinkingly, the superintendent blurted out, which one? The boys looked at each other and smiled. And the bolder one said, we asked our daddy that once. And he said that he loved us both so much that he couldn't even remember. That's the power and wisdom of love. Love that knows how to affirm someone who might feel he or she does not quite belong or who is on the margin of acceptance or who feels inferior to others. One of Scripture's most astounding and wonderful claims and promises and truths is that you and I have been adopted by God. Jesus is God's only child. But miracle of miracles, God has chosen to treat us, each one of us, if we, as if we were God's Only child. God loves us just as God loves Jesus. That's love. We are not God's children by natural birth. We are God's children by that spiritual birth, that awakening to the power of love. Love also supports Love causes you to offer your help and your presence and your prayers, as I've already said. Way back in 1971, Linda became pregnant. 
And she went to a doctor who was called an obstetrician. Now, I have always liked words. And I had no idea really what an obstetrician, I mean, I sort of knew. I'm not completely dumb. But the word itself. So I looked it up in the dictionary. It comes from the Latin, obstet, which means to stand by. The obstetrician is one who stands by and waits for a new birth to happen. As Christians, we practice obstetrics. We stand by one another. We stand with one another. We wait for some heart to recover for a new faith, a new hope, a new life, a new spirit, a new attitude, a new identity to be born in someone. Something struggling to be born. We stand by not because we can make it happen, but we stand by with Christ in hopes to be there to celebrate when it does happen. Love is so supportive. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you. What a simple commandment. Yet how powerful the reality. I guess you expect we come to church and we talk about love and and it's sort of a sentimental kind of thing. But love is the hardest of all things to really learn how to do. It's challenging. created for Jesus a cross. Real love. Love that has patience, as the writer talked about in the text, that stands in there. These are things that I've mentioned that are given to God's people, the congregation, in its internal life. But love also reaches outward into the world. The world around us. And the Apostle speaks of the growth in the knowledge and the experience of God's love in Christ Jesus to the Colossian community because they felt they had no power. They were just a little band of uh, people in, in the big city of Colossae. What power could a Christian, little Christian congregation have? Paul wants to say you've got one of the greatest of all powers. You've got the power of God's love. Don't forget it. Love is a process of a continuing enlargement of soul and mind and heart so that our hearts as persons and congregations conform more and more to the heart of Christ. Boy, that's a long journey. I I just was thinking of another sermon uh, 
planning on it, and I want to include just a tiny bit of it here in light of, of everything this week. Uh, some years back, I heard an older African-American pastor father was a pastor. Talk about the way we read and hear Scripture. He made the point that, uh, which we, I guess, all know, that what we hear Scripture saying is often largely determined by who we are and what our experiences have been in life. And he illustrated this by referring to One little text in Luke's nativity story. He said, we read this text. There was no room for them in the inn. You can read that as a sort of a detail and quickly move on. He said, but when my daddy was preaching, we didn't read and hear it that way. When he was preaching, he would read it like this. There was no room for them in the end. He said, because we knew what it was like to be a them six days a week. Where there was very little room for us in the larger society we live. Well, I thought about that. My first and only time to testify in court, I was eight years old. My daddy got into a dispute with a neighbor down the street, and it got worse and worse, and finally they had a physical alteration in the middle of Arlington Avenue. So I had to go to court to tell what I saw. But after that, forevermore, that family was a them to us. Them to us. I can remember when I started church. It used to be we didn't learn so much early in church about who we are and what we believe. We learned about how we weren't like everybody else. Everybody, all these other Christians were thems. Roman Catholics were them. Episcopalians were them. They drank like fish. <laughs> then I learned there's some come on Presbyterians who do that. <laughs> them. What the gospel calls us to hear is that all of us and everybody was a them to God. Sinful, a sinful them. But God in love sent Jesus Christ to say, God wants to overcome. He doesn't want you to be a them. As Jesus said, I don't call you servants. 
call you friends. One of the major works of love, and it is so hard. Uh, you illustrated, Mariana, we start out this way. We, you know, our brothers and sisters and siblings are thems for us sometimes. And it's true. This is why the Christian journey should never be turned into something entirely sentimental, as if it were easy, as if grace were cheap. We're all, see, the, the Colossian church and the other churches was the one place in the world, in the ancient world, where a bunch of thems were brought together to become no longer thems, brothers and sisters in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, rich nor poor, etc. And the world looked at it. And you know what Tertullian said? He said, my God, look how those Christians love one another. Normal society is supposed to be divided up into thems and us. Love works on that. Glorious power that God has given to the Scottsboro congregation and to each one of us is a journey deeper and deeper into the love of Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.